But I can, Corcon's finest, absolutely brilliant from Peter Armani. There for Sexton in behind Dracula. They switch the point of attack to the left hand side. Stockdale, that chip works out. That chip works really well. Stockdale for Rollins. Jacob Stockdale! What a try! Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby. Together with Guinness. Well, 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 what a weekend. History made. A very warm welcome to you all to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, brought to you by Joe, together with our friends at Guinness. I think it's fair to say that Baz has missed a belter. You snooze, you lose. He's out of town. The professor is back, and it's very good to have you with us. Um, There is only one place to start, and that is with the big game of the weekend. What did you make of Canada, who Germany. Was, who was playing, yeah. Yeah, we've got much to, this is going to be a short episode, I think. Yeah. There's not much to talk there about. There isn't. We, we, we've got just one or two points to skip over. Interestingly, if you do want to know, it was Canada who beat Germany oh, right. in the big game of the weekend. There was quite a lot of hoo-ha around that over here, wasn't there? Did you read the article that sort of seemed to divide rugby fans? No, no, no I didn't do own. much uh, research in the Canada-Germany no, game. Perfect. Okay, um, let's get into it then. I mean, it was... It was a hell of an occasion, first of all. It was a hell of a result. It was a hell of a performance. You were there. A um, little tear in the eye? Well, I mean, how, did, how did you handle the full-time whistle? It was... Um, the atmosphere was incredible. Everybody's been talking about it. I think the the contrast from last week, um, Argentina, it was just... It was flat the whole game. It was sort of... I invited a couple of people along to the game, and I was, and they're not rugby guys. Yeah. So I was sort of going, oh, it's not a great advert for rugby. You know, there was no buzz, no excitement. This week was unbelievable, just off off the charts altogether. The 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 emotional side of things, not so much in the final whistle. There was a moment, it was a big moment in the game. Uh, Jacob Stockdale locked up uh, Ben Smith, and then Saxon joined yeah. in and bumbled them into touch. His fist pump off and the back was, of that. I know. And everybody in the stadium was going, "We're this, with you. This is the moment we're going to beat yeah. the All Blacks again." Um, from your perspective, I mean, we've, we've traded on Chicago a number of times over yeah. the last uh, few shows. <laughs> yeah. um, absolute delight that they did it again, or just, you know, just a little bit of, some people have now done it twice. Yeah, he values your currency somewhat. Yeah, but it's nice to be the first team that did it. Okay, it? good. We can still cling to that. Good. <laughs> Always be the first. Um, as you said, we have got so much to talk about. Let's quickly sort of mark the conversation points. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about the epic encounter. We'll talk about a remarkable performance from Peter O'Malley, defying all medical, human, uh, and logical uh, uh, points to inspire his team. We'll obviously touch on the Kiwi media as well, who have lavished the praise on Joe Schmidt uh, and are now labelling the best team in the world. And we're going to be joined uh, by the former Leinster outhalf, uh, Cathal Marsh, to look ahead to the USA game. And he's got a really interesting perspective perspective on that as well. Um, let's start though with, with Steve Hansen. It was obviously billed as one against two, but let's hear from the All Black head coach in the immediate aftermath of the defeat for the All Blacks. Uh, well, you'll make them favourites, so if you want to make them favourites, uh, go ahead. Um, what it does do, I think, and I said this at the beginning of the week, you had the two best sides in the world playing each other, so as of now, they're the number one team in the world. So I guess they are favourites. Very gracious. Actually, that's interesting. It's an interesting point to pick up on just very quickly. What did you make of the All Black sportsmanship in defeat? It looked like they took it very well. Yeah. Very, a lot of praise from Hanson. They are good losers as well as good winners. Is that yes, fair? absolutely. And I credit where credit's due there. Kieran Reid after the game, very, very humble. As, as Rightly so. I think just the All Blacks, it's such a rare occasion that they yeah. get beat. And they just... Potentially, you could you could argue that they just don't know how to cope with it, I suppose. But I thought they came across really well, really humble. And uh, I'm sure they're just looking forward to the next chance they get against Ireland. Yeah. So to pick up off the back of the game, Jamie Heaslip said in, in the commentary that I was listening to, he said, this is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to expand on that as to just the significance of the result for Irish rugby? It's 
it's everything in that it changes the picture. It just changes. Arguably, if we were to play them next week, we'd be favourites. Arguably, then if we beat them next week, we're the best team in the world. So the whole pictures change. The whole um, context when you play the All Blacks. You never go onto the pitch expecting to win, but now we do, and I think that just subtle, pretty actually pretty significant yeah. mindset has changed, and that's I think that's what Jamie's getting at. Now, this is everything. I wouldn't agree with that. Is the right. only thing because this in the context of the next twelve months, this is nothing <laughs> really. Yeah, but it's just it's a kind of significant change in the mindset of this Irish team going forward. I think they will never, certainly in the next twelve months, they will never walk onto the pitch and think they're going to get beat. They will always walk on with kind of a little bit of a Leinster mentality. Yeah. <laughs> Last year, James Ryan walked on the pitch. Like he he didn't win. A, he didn't lose a game for for twelve months or something. Yeah. I think he's only lost once in his professional career. Isn't <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. right? Oh, twi- uh, twice. Australia, one, with, then, one with Leinster, and one with yeah. the, yes, that's right. But, absolutely but right. again, that that mindset. This team is a team of winners now, yeah. and they just have the habit of winning. They have the knack of winning. And uh, it's interesting hearing um, Josh van der Fleer talking after the game, or uh, and Luke McGrath as well, and they both said it, having beaten the All Blacks, such a significant moment, and they said, big game next weekend against USA. That is absolute crap, isn't it? I mean, will Joe have said to them, <laughs> you, you enjoy this moment, live in the moment, and celebrate it hard, or will he have said, get in the ice bath and we're back on the training ground tomorrow morning? I think even Joe will go, lads, come on, yeah. would you take it easy? Just I mean, Johnny enjoy? Sexton put out a tweet, I think, saying, quiet night ahead, with one of the sort of yeah. lying emojis. Surely yeah. they will on this occasion have absolutely gone for it you they? would have thought so yeah I think well obviously a lot of that team will change and they'll give a few um, guys opportunities next week against USA but yeah. I don't know why we're, we're falling for it here we're yeah. talking about the, we're, we're, well you should know better than most <laughs> yeah. in there and lived it I mean yeah. will, will they have been given carte blanche get out and go and, or will it have been quite a sort of strong team celebration I'd say um, well Last time the last time we beat the All Blacks. When you beat the All Blacks, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we need a sort of tally <laughs> counter in this. I think. I There's a little clock I in the corner. Um, uh, we we kind of stayed together. So yeah. I would imagine again that was the Leinster mentality when they won European Cup. They came back and celebrated with the rest of the team. So there's something quite significant and poignant about getting together with your teammates and the guys who've who've been there and help you get prepared. Even the guys who haven't gone on the pitch. Yeah. Um, it's quite a nice moment to get together and and just enjoy those those times. What about the performance itself? So, I mean, to, to use a cliche, France in the 70s would just flair, jouer, jouer. Is it fair to say that, that the performance on Saturday was just the most outstanding sort of scientific forensic analysis of the All Blacks and a sort of deconstruction uh-huh. of them? Is, it, that, is that a fair call? The performance of the weekend had everything. In the first half, Ireland just... just didn't want to take three points. They just kept going to the corner, kept putting them under pressure. Their phase play was unbelievable. Yeah. Their ball retention was really good. Um, I think it was summed up in how kind of cynical New Zealand were being. They were just retallic, slapped the ball out of Luke McGrath or Marmion's hands. Um, Whitelock flopped on it. There was another couple of penalties in the 22. There could easily have been a yellow card at one stage. And it was, I was almost concerned because Ireland were so dominant against the best team in the world. They just looked head and shoulders better than them. But they only went in nine six up, and yeah. I thought New Zealand's points came a little bit too easy um, for having very little um, possession and just putting Ireland under very little pressure. They won the battle in the air. To be fair, I think that was Ireland were second best there. Everywhere else, they were they were top. And then then the second half was totally different. There was a purple patch for New Zealand, and it looked like right here we go. Yeah. This is this is the team that we expected <coughs> to see perform today, and they just looked like they got their tail up for about ten or fifteen minute period. And Ireland's defence was so dogged, so much character, so much resilience. 
no one no one can cope when the, the All Blacks have a purple patch like that. No one can cope with it, but this Irish side did, yeah. and it was it was incredible. That Irish performance had everything. Can you give us a bit of insight into Farrell's defence? Because obviously he's now beaten uh, New Zealand four times as a coach, once with England, twice with Ireland, and does with he, the Lions. Does he talk about it as much as I do? I don't think so, no. <laughs> we, we should get him on the show, actually, and sort of <laughs> deconstruct it. But obviously he's, he's held the All Blacks trialist twice now with the Lions in the second test last uh -huh. summer, and this one as well. Just, just give us a sense of what the Andy Farrell defensive sessions are like with Ireland and how he inspires such a remarkable sort of intensity. Yeah, very... Very, uh, very simple mindset in defence. Um, get up and hit people and uh, maintain, it works, your, it? Maintain, maintain your your gain line. Puts a lot of pressure on the guys in the backfield with wingers getting slightly higher than they would. Um, and you could argue then New Zealand went after that a little bit with their kicking game early on, but yeah. they didn't get much change. I just felt like there was so much energy, so much buzz, and it just felt like they they were just feeding off each other. You know, every phase, Ireland just seemed to get stronger and kind of more, just their body language, you could tell. They were just enjoying defending. And uh, yeah, I think that's something that comes from Farrell. He just, he puts a big emphasis on that. So the boys just, just dug in time and time again, no matter how long New Zealand were hold on to the ball, eventually they'll get a chance. In early on, actually, they were going quite high in the yeah. 22. It looked like they made a decision, right, let's start chopping. They started chopping and then straight away, CJ... And Josh got over the ball, got a penalty, big moment in the game. Peter Mahoney got two um, two jackals in the second half, two big moments in the game whenever New Zealand were in that purple patch. Yeah. Um, and th those are big turning points, and uh, they needed them, and they got them at the right time. Defence was certainly pretty rock solid, wasn't it? Um, let's focus on the attack as well. And before we deconstruct um, Jacob Stockdale's trial, let's hear from uh, Ireland head coach Joe Schmidt on, uh, on the power play. I mostly steal them from other people. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm always on the lookout. I'm always keeping my eye out. I, I watch Modertine Cup. They've always got a couple of good ones. Um, uh, there was a really good one. It looked like the, the Highlanders played, you know, uh, recently. I, I showed that to the coaches and just said, hey, we could maybe do this because, um, you know, it's hard to get patents on moves. Um, so, so we... we we work away. What we do is, uh, you know, one of the things with the All Blacks, they work so hard um, that they they work in to get into that chip line. They work across so they can get the the far side of the uh, of the uh, defence up. So we kind of felt that we could go back down that short side. Now, as best he says, sometimes they they work and sometimes they don't. But it, it's always nice when you do put them together, and. It's it's nice when everyone knows their role and and, and they they come off. But you know the, the other coaching staff they come up with some as well. I, I've come up with some incredibly poor moves in my time. Um, Bestie will probably testify to that. Um, they they looked really good on paper though. Um, well, interesting from Joe Schmidt. What's interesting from a I suppose a fan's perspective is on social media you just begin to see where Ireland have, have tried this before and we saw an example of it in the 2015 Rugby World Cup as well where it, they've tried it but it's not worked how did they get it right this time for Stockdale? So I think um, someone like Joe he, he just has a freakish kind of knowledge and understanding and a memory of, of plays he's used in the past and scores and the way people defend and I think he might have just looked at the way New Zealand were defending off the back of the line out and just said I've got, I've got just the thing for that. Into the filing cabinet, yeah, right to yeah. the back, and pull it back out again. Actually, the menu that existed ten years yeah. ago or something, and uh, it was it was so perfect. Um, Dan Coles came off the bench, and he brought a good bit of energy actually. Yeah. 
he, he produced a decent impact for New Zealand when he came on. You can see he was fired up. But it was like Ireland sort of went, okay, he's um, he's very enthusiastic. Let's take advantage of that. Yeah. And he just came hairing off the back of the line. He was going for Johnny, as everybody <laughs> tends to do. Yeah. And and it just looks like Ireland were just a step ahead. They said, we know he's going to do that, and this is going to catch you out. And then not just him. Everybody was kind of just going that direction, just drifting a little bit. Jacob kept a low profile, just kind of just kept himself to himself, didn't yeah. draw any attention to yourself. Bundy drops under and then just hits Jacob. And then as Jacob tends to do, he finished it off. It was uh, it was just perfect as we're used to getting we're getting used to seeing like Schmidt sides just execute those power plays, those set piece plays so well. And that was just another one. It was just a thing of beauty. Absolute belter, wasn't it? And yeah. it ultimately proved to be the difference as well. Um, Stockdale obviously says I mean the try scoring run he's on as well is absolutely astonishing. Do you want to pick out just a you could pick out one to twenty three, I know, but some of the other guys who who put in the performance of their lifetime. Jacob was the standout back anyway. He was he's becoming Ireland's go-to man in the yeah. air. So when you've got Carney and Jacob there, obviously Earls is big in the air as well for not being that tall. He's powerful and he gets high. Um, so Jacob was was very good. I thought he was a standout back, although big performances all across. I know, you're, you're <laughs> dealing in sort of... Exactly, centers, yeah. He was just slightly more brilliant than the rest of them. Um, uh, I thought Pete O'Mahony was ridiculous. Yeah. James Ryan, I've been kind of just thinking... I'm a big Ian Henderson fan, and, yeah. I, and I still am, and and I'm always going, ah, but Hendy can do that, Hendy can do that, and then, and he still can, and I was just going, that's a bandwagon, and myself and Darren Cave were commentating for um, BBC at the weekend, and Cave summed it up, he said, there's been a James Ryan bandwagon for the last year, and as Ulster men, we've been like, reluctant to get on it, yeah. we are fully on board really? now, board. it was incredible, he just carries and carries and carries, and he looks equally as dynamic every single time you know it was really nice actually to see the change up <clears throat> uh, a, a couple of times Ireland, the Ireland uh, forward pods they hold their depth and they wait for New Zealand to come to them and then they just tip it on and they get yeah. get around that corner and they just get a foothold in the uh, on the gain line and then quick ball next next phase and then a couple of times when it slows down it's just like Ireland they all just realised they're not coming up as fast this time right let's punch in and James Ryan got a little bit of joy out of that and it just seems like they all just know how to manipulate this defence it's just it's so impressive Tag Furlong as well was doing something similar CJ I mean we are doing 1-23 to here aren't we I Big know. Dev Big Dev. I mean, what was interesting off the back of the <coughs> game is that Steve Hansen said he doesn't look like an athlete, but my God, he is an athlete. I mean, <laughs> almost his finest performance in an Ireland jersey. It was big, yeah. It was very big. And uh, again, another big, um, significant moment. He just smashed Borita Talik, yeah. their talisman. Hell of a statement, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to pick up specifically on Peter Omani because it was a sort of it was just a raging inferno of a performance and there is sort of certainly outside of Ireland there's a sort of bit of mystique around him um from a personal point of view I'm so pleased that he was man of the match <coughs> given the first test against the All Blacks uh, 12 months ago for the Lions and obviously didn't pan out the way he wanted off the back of that but we know so little about him uh, you know and even in his post-match interview he gives very little away but behind the scenes he's mysterious he is he? yeah but but in some ways that adds to the sort of the legend in uh -huh. because you don't know a lot about him there's a lot more intrigue around him. He's got that sort of mythical monster element to him. Uh -huh. Is is he like that in camp and, and you know, having played with him for a number of years? Yeah. Or, or is there a, a different side <coughs> to him which he just doesn't let on in public? Uh, um, Omahani, uh, Murray and Zebo, the three of them would kind of yeah. hang out quite Musketeers. a bit. Musketeers. Yeah, yeah. And 
I must say, Zebo and Murray give him a hard time. Right. Uh, he's just, he's, he's intense, you know, and he's serious. Yeah. But he's really funny as well. He's a good lad. He just, them boys would bully him a wee bit. Right. I think kind of, brave. Brave. He brave. He, I know, and like the public persona, he, yeah. he doesn't seem like the sort of fellow who would get a hard time, but yeah. he takes it really well. Um, he's just, uh, them boys just know him so well. They know kind yeah. of what way he operates, but... Uh, certainly on the pitch, he's he's a leader in in so many ways. Because he uh, he laid down the law in the huddle before the game, didn't he? He Absolutely was the one doing the pointing, screaming. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't surprise me at all because he, he he demands high standards and he knows the game inside out. And he he always has. There's always a little highlight reel of two or three massive moments, yeah. and he's right in the middle of them. Whether it be uh, um, intercepting a line out or poaching or. Um, Breakdown, whatever it is. The yeah. the chip that went through and yes. he just plucked it. It looked like, like a goalkeeper. Yeah, it looked like he was miles away, oh, and then yeah. he just plucked it, long arms. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, to sort of explore, it, 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 he's such a, a presence on the field. Is he sort of back of the bus in that team environment, and sort of just little words in, or is, is he is he a leader on the team bus as well? If you know what I mean, he's. I'd say he's probably quite different um, off the pitch than than he is on the pitch. That's why I think kind of the public perception of him is quite different to, yeah. to how he is in the team he's he's just like anybody else he's just one of the boys good lad good yeah. crack um, but there is that kind of serious side of him one like um, one story about him we were on our way home from the Rugby Players Ireland um, awards dinner yeah. and uh, myself and uh, Gilroy and a couple of other Ulster guys were in the car and I'd we'd obviously been at the dinner I was sitting at the table beside Pete and we were catching up how's the family whatever what's the form whatever yeah. all this kind of stuff then in the car on the way home, we were playing a game and whoever lost the game had to make a call. And um, uh, I lost. And then Gilroy goes, you have to call Pete and keep him on the line for five minutes. And uh, I was there. Well, we just caught up. So it, that's a weird call to make. Yeah. Right? So I called him and then I was just doing all the, well, Pete, it's the same chat. How's the family? You know? <laughs> just going around the roundabout again. Yeah. Uh, any other form you know I mean I'm 30 seconds in and I'm running out of chat yeah. and then he just goes you're only acting the bollocks <laughs> hung up <laughs> that was the end of it that was the last time you spoke to him yeah yeah. and I haven't seen him since brilliant yeah I, he, he's obviously pretty intuitive he gets you pretty quickly yeah he wasn't he, he doesn't suffer fools yeah hell of a player hell of a player um, which leads us on to I mean the bat row and the breakdown in general and obviously Peter Romani absolutely sensational but a remarkable performance as well from Josh van der Vleer who came in at last minute we were talking about Will Addison last mm -hmm. week and what that being dropped in does for him but obviously he, he's had a heck of an injury run as well and we're just going to hear from him quickly on how hard he fought to get back and what it meant to him to play in the game I think it was just uh, I suppose it kind of re represented us not uh, we weren't going to take a backward step the whole game that was kind of what we were uh, what Bestie kind of said to us we, we want to go after them uh, not step away not not accept being bullied by them or anything like that so uh, I think that was that was part of it and, and then I suppose it kind of it's a pretty special moment when you're all together as a team uh, watching something quite historic like the Hakka so it's it quite cool yeah, no, it's incredible. It's pretty uh, special moment. I don't know if it's sunk in fully. It's once you're out there, it kind of feels like you're just doing your job. You're um, just doing what you do every week. Obviously, tougher opposition than most weeks. Um, but yeah, we just we're just kind of focused on doing our job every uh, every play and, and keep going after them. And and then all of a sudden, it was the final whistle and we'd won. So it's kind of, oh, so hasn't sunk in a huge amount. After 
the year you've had, the way it started in February, your horrible knee injury. You yeah, I think like I think a lot has. I have to mention uh, Fergal, Karen, and and the physio rehab and fitness staff in Leinster because um, when I first got injured, kind of the 20th of November would have been a realistic. Would have been that would have been nine months. That would have been standard for the injury I got. So. It's obviously, I don't think it's the 20th yet, so, uh, so I'm obviously a good bit ahead of schedule. I think it's a testament to the work they've put in that I've managed to get back for this, and, and it's a very special day. Well, Ireland's back row strength and depth just continues to grow, doesn't it? And uh, just a quick word on, on Josh's performance. We were touching on Will Addison last week against Argentina. In you go, play. And Josh did exactly the same thing. But yeah. at a different level against the All Blacks. It's yeah. sort of natural-born competitor. No problem. No problem to yeah. him. He just stepped up. Um, Josh, of of anybody else, I'd say he's probably the most thorough um, guys in terms of his, his preparation. He, he would be sitting... Um, guys would be sitting watching football in the team room uh, in the run-up to a game and he'd be sitting with his notepad in front of him. He'd really? be always going through things, making sure he's ready for training and very, very thorough. So if anybody was going to be able to cope with being dropped in, it wasn't quite last minute, but reasonably late in the week, he can cope with that no problem. Very, very mature kind of approach to the game and very much a, a Schmidt kind of a detailed approach as yeah. well. So, and, and it showed in his performance as well. I thought he was unbelievably good. You can tell it's a big game because you've brought your notebook in as well. <laughs> yeah. What have you scribbled in your notebook out of interest? Um, Stats and facts and... Just lots of stuff. I, I, can't, I can't read my own writing. So right. Yeah. It's just, it makes you look more like a professor. It does, yeah. It's a very good prop. Um, what I just wanted to pick up on as well, particularly when we're talking about Josh van der Fleer, is the fact that Ireland beat the All Blacks without Sean O'Brien, without Conor Murray, without Robbie Henshaw. Um, the, the sort of the excuse in Chicago, and I know you'll disagree with this, is that the All Blacks were trying a few things and didn't have Whitelock and Retallick, etc. But this time it's almost as if Ireland beat the All Blacks despite having key men missing. And I just wonder what that does heading into next year's World Cup in terms of confidence. Yeah, I suppose um, it's a bit, maybe a little bit like um, Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby yes. being top of sports and recreation without Baz. Yes, true. I don't know why that might be, but uh, imagine, yeah, imagine how good we're going to be with Baz. Exactly, you've yes. done great. Oh, you're too kind. Under you've Josh done great. of Baz and someone, House of Rugby. So yeah, yeah, I'll take that. A thorough preparation. Yeah. yeah. Someone said actually, um, that guy can present anything. He's so posh and polished. Who, Talking uh, about you. Oh right, okay. Yeah, and Who they said, um, I, I, I don't want to. I'll send them a thank you. I don't want to reveal the source. Right. Someone described your voice as as a land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, stop it! You're so posh. I'm gonna put that on my CV. That's very kind. <laughs> it was actually Flannery said that. Was it? Yeah. Oh my god, that, I definitely will take that because actually yeah. that is a compliment from him is 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 almost a golden compliment, isn't it? Uh -huh. I'd expect a bit more of the backhand. Yeah. From Jerry. Flannery. To your face, he probably would have. Yeah, been yeah, more yeah. He'd pull my trousers. I'd imagine. Okay. Uh, we were talking about Where strength were and we? depth. I don't know. We're sort of wandering <laughs> we, around a little bit. Looking off. Should we get back onto Irish strength and depth? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fine. If we must. Yeah. No. I think whenever you can cope with um, with the loss of Sean O'Brien, Dan Levy, Robbie Mar Henshaw, Murray in particular, though, as and well. Murray. I know. And Murray. I think you can you, you forget about Murray, I suppose, which is <laughs> weird yeah. because he's you know he's never really been in the picture despite a little bit of chat. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's we're in unbelievably good shape. Having said that, our strength and depth is so good now that, that the drop-off isn't as significant. So again, the benefit you get when these guys come back isn't yes. massively game-changing either. 
that's all right if you're number one in the world and beating the All Blacks. I mean, you know, mm. you're, still, you're, you're still at a fairly high level. You're, you're yeah. dealing again in those small percentiles they, to go up again. Uh, they ha- they beat the All Blacks and they had a little disclaimer or an excuse. Yeah. We don't have these guys available. Nobody says that very often. They would have hammered them with the, ball, <laughs> the last. <laughs> exactly. I, it, what, what's interesting though is just just relative to 2015, and we were sort of touching on this before we started recording. Ireland went into that with a sort of concern that if O'Connell goes and Sexton goes mm-hmm. and O'Brien goes and then O'Mani obviously went um, against the French um, it, it, you could sort of sense Ireland beginning to, to fear that they didn't have the strength and depth to cope but this time around you can just take people out and put others in and, mm-hmm. the, and the machine just rolls on and I just wonder psychologically what that will do for the players heading into Japan 2019 I think that'll continue to develop as well I think there's competition in those areas so that competition will just increased performances everybody knows that if they're not playing out of their skin then they're going to struggle to get to get a start or get any impact and I, I just wonder what way they're going to look at this um, Six Nations because <clears throat> do they develop more strength and depth yeah are we getting a bit greedy <laughs> take it if you can get it yeah but I just wonder you know <clears throat> what way they're going to approach the Six Nations is this another scalp do we need to keep this momentum going or should we just just take a breath and then get, let's get ready for the World Cup. It's quite an interesting psychological point, that, actually, as to the pot is bubbling almost perfectly now. Uh, and Joe Schmidt, very quick in the aftermath to say, you know, the World Cup is still 11 months away. Yeah. How he maintains that sort of temperature and, and keeping it at that level is almost a challenge that Irish rugby hasn't had before. I just yeah. wonder how... You know, it'll be very interesting to see how he plays it and whether he does a bit of rotation, etc., and keeps people fresh or whether he just keeps the team doing what it's doing. Yeah, I think... It's in the past it would have been if you introduce guys then you're basically saying right this is the second string or we've got a lot, lot less chance of beating England or France at home or, yeah. but but now you bring guys in and it does it's not seen as rotating yeah. anymore I suppose it's just courses for courses yeah and it's six of one and half a dozen of the other most of the time and typically um, a lot of decisions will be made for him because there'll be guys that get knocks yeah. and that was the perfect example Henshaw picks up a knock and then Bundy and Gary step up and produce the biggest performances of their lives so I think we're in good shape no matter what yeah certainly the weekend would suggest that wouldn't it yeah. um, we're going to do what all the players did in the immediate aftermath of a, a historical win against the All Blacks I'm going to turn it immediately on to the USA we're going to start looking ahead to who perhaps deserves a chance and you're talking about rotation it'll be interesting to see who you think gets a crack against the US who are actually on a nine game winning run themselves um, we're going to get the former Leinster uh, out half Cathal Marsh to come and join us on the sofa as well before he flies out to join Rugby United New York so he can give us a great uh, inside scoop on what we can expect at the weekend and we will reveal our Guinness Made of More Player of the Weekend have a guess who that might be and we'll be back after this. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Perfect, we have played uh, musical chairs. Carl's come to have a, a, a seat on the sofa. I'm suddenly feeling quite conscious about my pipes. I've got four <laughs> very big guns alongside and my, oh. I'll keep my sweater on, I think. Well, you still working to, out? Um, yeah, small bit, yeah. Don't really need to. You're used to Simpson Haskell, though, so. I know, true that. It's a sort of alpha, beta, male thing yeah. going on. I'm certainly yeah. feeling that again today. Very good to see you. Um, I'm fascinated to hear a little bit more about um, Rugby United New York and how you're going to settle in in the Big Apple. But just very quickly, um, where did you watch the game? What did you make of it at all? Have you been in touch with any of the, um, the fellas? Yeah, um, well, it was obviously an incredible game. Um, 
my dad had tickets, but he brought my brother, unfortunately. Ah, so I got omitted. Oh, I got the favourite son was Santos. Yeah. It was a tough one to take. Where did you watch it? So I watched actually with my mum and my sister uh, in the family house. Perfect. Um, I'm heading to New York on Thursday, so I was trying to keep my head clear with, yeah. with so much stuff to do this week. Screaming so. and shouting and crockery yeah, flying everywhere. Yeah, no, there was still my mum. My mum is good fun to watch the game, but she's often dancing around yeah. anytime there's a try. So did Not you surprised. get emotional with the Sexton fist pump? Yeah, I was loving it. It's a big moment, wasn't it? I think he's probably one of the only tens who can sort of be a bit sort of insane and yeah. play on the edge and still sort of make the right decision every time. Most when I was growing up, it was always stay in the zone. People are trying to wind you up and yeah. you're trying to avoid that, which he seems to like it. And um, you've obviously been in his slipstream at Leinster. I'd love to know, yeah. is he the Don who sort of only ever raises an eyebrow <coughs> in, the, in the direction of younger players? Or is he actually quite a good sort of mentor? And Yeah, he's actually, he's actually very very sound and good crack like it's actually nearly good being a tan around him because like he's not going to be the one you're not never really going to be playing with him so he won't be giving out to you if you get the, the move wrong yeah. and he'll always be giving you good advice um, you never received like the Sexton red mist no because we're never on the we wouldn't have ever been on the same pitch to get on the same pitch together so he's just sort of braiding the sort of forwards if they get to play wrong or the backs if they're in the wrong spot um so yeah we usually just get the good bits i guess some good advice and he, he sorts the boys out with boots. He actually got me these shoes, these Yeezys. Oh, yeah. stop it. He's yeah, about Father Christmas. As a going away gift. Um, so, yeah, he thinks he's very fashion. He gets all the free stuff from Adidas, so he gives it out to some of the younger boys. Would, he have, would, would he have been someone you'd have been looking up to when you were coming through school or you're too close in age to him? No, yeah, I would have been sort of finishing up school. Um, and he would have been playing probably his first break into playing his okay. first couple of European finals. So yeah, he wouldn't he have been the hero that he is now, kind of. No, he was going in that direction. I remember Felipe was was playing the in the 06 game, I think against Ogar in, oh, in that famous one in Lansdowne yeah. yeah. Road. But yeah, then then Sexton was giving it to Ogar in Grove yeah. Park. So um, yeah, growing up, growing up, Sexton obviously would have been someone we would have looked towards. Did you ever get the red mist from Johnny in a game? Oh, loads. Did loads. you? Um, yeah, plenty. Actually, all the way back to when we played Mary's in school as well. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. So Mary's would have been one of the full, the the few kind of southern teams that we would have played. Yeah. Come from Korean. Yeah. And uh, um, not Johnny. Actually, to be fair, one of his back rowers was coming at our ten, and uh, like hitting him late and stuff. And our ten would be he would almost be like our equivalent of Johnny. He'd have been a bit fiery as well. Right. And he threw. <laughs> He kicked the ball early on purpose, get rid of it, and then the, the back rover's coming towards him, probably on Johnny's instructions. <laughs> and uh, our guy grabbed him by the collar and threw him into a bush. Oh, wow. <laughs> beside the pitch. <laughs> Disappeared, never to be seen again. Yeah, that was it. So they were playing 14 men after that. How yeah, I know, fell out with Johnny a few times, uh, playing against him, but more so playing with him. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I thought um, uh, Will Addison got an earful actually last weekend against Argentina. Yeah. There was a midfield scrum in there, 22, and Addison was on the left-hand side because he's obviously covering 15 and 13 through the week, so he was standing on the left-hand side, and I just saw Johnny screaming at him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going, the I've been there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> notch. Um, interesting we're talking about school day rugby because you were at school with a number of the current squad. Yeah. Who, who just who was in your class? Yeah, I would have, well, Luke was one class below, but he yeah. would have always been on our team. So I would have played with Luke since maybe I was 10 or 11. Really? All the way up. And then when we were in sixth year, Dan Levy was in fourth year. He was sort of, he was obviously a bit smaller than he is now, but yeah. he was still, I think he was only 15 maybe playing our final. And he was probably the best player on the pitch. 
just always has this sort of like bulletproof confidence from day one. He always sort of felt like he was meant to be there, and yeah. you can see that even today. Him and him and James Ryan and stuff just seem to love those big days in the Aviva. Who who were the prefects, and who was always in detention of that lot? Um, I could have been in detention as really? well, unfortunately. Yeah. Off to New York. Luke was always very yeah, exactly. He Luke was in the choir. Luke was very switched on. Yeah, yeah. his mum cut his hair, and <laughs> it was all. Uh, he was always very getting getting good grades and stuff like that. Yeah, I imagine those are the losers in school. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> what size bowl did he, did he use? Um, James Ryan has to be a sort of head boy or a yeah. James was in first year when I was in sixth year, so okay. I didn't see, I didn't know him too well, but he was yeah. still. Um, he was just the size of him back then. I remember he was taller than any of the the six years. So, um, have you heard from any of them off the back of the game? Did you a little WhatsApp? Yeah, I, I was t I was texting Luke a bit. Me and Luke would be would be pretty close. So yeah. he had sent me a few photos of the night out and stuff, and it, it seemed like they had a they had a good. They night did out. have a good night yeah, out. Where yeah, did they end up? What did they do? Um, or was that classified? Yeah, I think they were in. Well, I think Luke was in a traditional bar good. playing some sort of Irish music um, at one stage with a few of the other players and, and a few friends and stuff. So now it seemed like a really good night. Good stuff. Um, obviously, I, just to, I suppose to, to touch on the Sexton, um, I just want to pick up on the Sexton thing as well. World Rugby Player of the Year uh, nominees. Barrett's in there again. He obviously won it last year. I think yeah. he's actually won it the last two years. Mm -hmm. um, there can be no debate now, surely, can there? I would have thought that's Johnny's. Yeah. <laughs> clearing, he's clearing space on the mantelpiece already. You would have thought so, yeah. I mean, it'll be a travesty. Because obviously there's been a bit of history with Irish players and the and World Player of the Year before Drico in 2009, I think it was, when uh -huh. everyone thought he would have got it. But Who got it in 2009 then? Be on the spot. Sorry. Yes. Um, we'll come back after this short break. Certainly the head-to-head, the boon by Johnny Sexton. Johnny definitely came out on top. Yeah. yeah. Although it was quite a big moment when Wanga went to 10, yes. Barrett went to 15, and they had a real... Um, good period, good passage there. Actually, yeah. there's a bit of pace going forward. Damien McKenzie was class of fullback as well, but I think Johnny came out on top now, head to head. We shall see. Obviously, that's announced next week in Monaco. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about the decision to go to New York, because then we'll come on to to the game against the USA. But yeah. how have you found yourself at Rugby United New York? Yeah, so well, the last couple of years have been pretty frustrating, I guess. Um, I've had sort of one or two sort of freak injuries. I tore a tendon in my finger, which I was out for about four months with. Then last season was my toe. I was out for about five months with my toe, all in all. So um, it was time to move on for me with the, with the three guys ahead of me. Obviously, Johnny, Joey Carberry and, and Ross, Ross Byrne as well. Yeah. I was sort of like coming to 26 and I just wanted to, to start playing a bit more and actually getting some game time. So with the injuries, though, I wasn't actually sure if I'd be able to to start for a preseason because I hadn't been cleared to play yet. So um, it sort of came to maybe May, June and usually the contracts would sort of be done for the next season, whereas I was pretty late still seeing if I'd be able to to participate, basically. Really? But then I did get I did get cleared then um, in June. So I, I was late looking for a club. And I was sort of looking around and there was nothing really that, that quite interested me. I was hoping to stay in Ireland originally. Did you talk to the other provinces? Um, not, not, this se not this season. Like couple, a couple of years ago, um, I was actually pretty close to, to joining Ulster. Right. Um, that was sort of for my previous contract. And then when I was even younger, when I was in the academy, um, I was very close to joining Connacht as well. Yeah. Um, 
but this time I just hadn't really been playing for the last couple of years and that ship had sort of sailed a small bit so that that was my plan originally but it just didn't work out this time unfortunately and it's, it's, it's the Leinster juggernaut it's it's yeah. filling squads all around Ireland and now they're all full so now they're going to start filling squads in the States <laughs> I know and Michaels are pretty much responsible for a lot of that as <laughs> yeah. well production line certainly yeah. full working order did um, Rugby United come to you or did you go to them um, yeah so they uh, James English the director of rugby got on to me probably in late June July yeah. um, and just and just yeah he was looking to see if what my plans were um, I think Greg McWilliams who's the attack coach of the USA he would have been our, our coach in school I think he maybe gave James a heads up that, that I might be looking for something, maybe something a bit different. So he approached me in, in July and then it, it was just one of those decisions, I guess, that made sense pretty quickly. Like I hadn't, uh, I was looking for something different and I would have missed out on a lot of travel growing up. You might only get like a week or two in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought a chance to, to live in New York and play rugby and do, do a bit of travel out that way. So it was a bit of a no-brainer, I guess. Did, at, did at you chat to um, Dave Gannon or uh, Dylan Fawcett, is it? Yeah, yeah, I would have played with, with Dylan in St. Mary's. Yeah. Um, so he, he was chatting to me, trying to, trying to recruit me uh -huh. a small bit. Um, I don't know Dave, but um, I heard he's a really good boy as well. And Marcus Walsh is the scrum half over there. Uh -huh. He would have played to the age grade um, in Leinster. So he was sort of recruiting me a small bit, or a small bit as well. Yeah, they yeah. talk about the American dream over there. I mean, what what sort of a a picture have they have they sold you as to where? Yeah, well, going? The, you know the Americans seem to they're very brash and yeah. full of energy, and even the social media stuff seems very, seems very full on. But um, they seem to be doing a great job at promoting it, and um, there seems to be great energy behind this. Like the other other cities involved in the league are great teams like Seattle, San Diego, New Orleans, Austin. Uh, Toronto have joined this year as well so um, yeah I think everyone's really excited about it. it's a brand new league sort of brand new team so we can really shape the future of it I guess uh, in the coming in the coming years have you got the penthouse the Empire no, State Building sort of laid out the red carpet. My phone number must be broken. Oh, uh, no. WhatsApp must be down. Ben Foden hasn't been on to me yet because he's going to be one of your teammates. Yeah, isn't he's, he? he's joined um, before me to to join New York as well. So I think he was sort of the main. He really got the sort of publicity and yeah. the excitement going. So no, I don't think I'm in the penthouse quite yet. <laughs> the will be the uh, the Wayne Rooney of the MLR. <laughs> Amazing yeah. over there. Um, so give us a little insight into the US. I mean, I, d I don't know how much you know sort of reconnaissance you've done over there, but yeah. you'll, you'll know probably more than most of us. Yeah. As to what sort of a challenge the, the US will provide Ireland this weekend. Yeah, well, I think I think they've had a really good run of results recently. Um, they beat Samoa in, in autumn. I think they they just beat Romania on the weekend, but in summer they beat Scotland, yeah. uh, which was a huge result for them um, to beat a sort of a tier one nation. And I think like they've got they've got really good coaching now. Um, it's Gary Gold, yeah, isn't it? Gary Gold's the head, Irish yeah, Bath, Gary Gold's the head coach, and like I said, Greg McWilliams is the attack coach. And I think like the Americans, you see with the American sports, like there's su such incredible athletes that the more sort of expertise you can get in there mm. um, with good coaching, I think, yeah, like it's, everyone, wants the everyone in the world wants America to have a, to have a good rugby team because they'd really up things another level, I think, yeah, if they did get to a good level. Is that, is playing, playing for the States, is that something that's on your radar or is that something with the five-year rule? Is that too yeah, far away to think that's probably it? changed things a small bit with, with the five-year rule um, because the three years, obviously, 
is obviously more convenient but yeah. I'm, I'm just going to take take it a season at a time really and, and see how I go um, I'd be 31 after the five years so I'd be a bit old I'd be Spring playing, chicken, up in, the surely, playing in the dinner jacket at that stage away from the game line how would <laughs> how would how would this how would the standard compare to you know I'm, I'm imagining will you and Foden are you likely to be tearing it up you know making line breaks for fun is is how, what's the yeah, standard? Yeah, I don't. Like? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I haven't watched loads of the games from last year. Um, from ja from chatting to James the, and Mike Talk and our head coach, they said it's good. Like it is, get, it is getting better all the time. I think the signings for this season have been a lot better. Um, but yeah, it'll be sort of like there'll be it'll be building steps. I think most of the best players, um, the best American players, are still based in Europe. I think so. Hopefully, it'll get to the stage where, like the, the American clubs, are bringing have their own academies, and they see sort of systems like the Irish provinces, and can start sort of bringing people through that way. Um, but yeah, I'll have to just see when I get over there, I guess. Do you get a sense of the potential? I mean, have they have they sort of spoken to you about? Because I think I'm right in saying that USA is sort of front runner for the 2023 Rugby World Cup. I think that's what they're aiming for. Is that right? 2023, 2027? No, 2023 is France, isn't it? Yeah. 2027, sorry, apologies. Yeah. Um, but I mean, are they, are they talking in terms of going for it? Um, yeah, well, I think like they're trying to expand, just from chatting to the league, it seems like they're trying to expand every year and get bigger and bigger every year. Next year, there's two more teams joining, <laughs> um, Boston and, and Washington as well. So I think, yeah, just keep building the excitement, keep building. I think it's just important for us, I guess, to put, put a good product out on the pitch that people want to come down and see because it's obviously very competitive sports in America. It's tough to sort of break in and take the likes of the NFL, the NBA's market and stuff. So you have to, you have to put out a good product and, and build the excitement that way. It, se it seems like in the past, uh, the States would have identified, right, you played NFL, you're an athlete, track athlete, whatever. Let's get all these athletes together and then put a ball in their hand and say, right, go and learn how to cast, uh, catch and pass that and kick that and come back to us in six months. But it seems like instead of rugby being a plan B, <coughs> they're actually getting in early and getting people you know, genuinely interested in the game first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's probably the most important thing because I think people have taken to rugby pretty late, like you said, um, like after something else doesn't work out whereas mm. if you can get, you need to start coaching these guys when they're at least maybe 15 or 16 um, ideally or even younger as opposed to sort of just taking up and trying to learn to pass and kick when you're uh -huh. 23 24 because as, as kids you take to things so much easier anyway the olympics i think has had a huge impact as well hasn't it in uh -huh. terms of the funding and getting people interested mm. in it etc in, in the seven scene and it's huge in the universities is that right yeah, colleges yeah, and universities. Yeah, yeah. Rugby would be biggest in in the universities. And have you sort of got a, a coaching remit as well? I mean, are you are you meant to be coming with a huge um, amount of IP I'm and playbooks, sure. etc.? I don't want to come come over thinking I'm too, too big a deal, but um, I'll definitely look to do some coaching sort of in the in the New York area. I think sort of on the down days and stuff. Yeah. Um, but with I'll probably leave it up to the lads and. Um, yeah, I'll see how we go. You'll have the sheepskin on in no time. <laughs> um, just very quickly, tell us about then the, the plan before between now and the first game. Yeah, so I'm going over to New York on Thursday um, yeah. for Thanksgiving. Couldn't Good. miss Thanksgiving. Perfect for pre-season. <laughs> <Perfect for preseason. laughs> exactly. And then there's about a month of pre-season and then there's a bit of time off for Christmas. I'll actually be back at Christmas. And then uh, the season kicks off at the end of January and then it's, it's into pretty pretty intensely from there. And there's a couple of bye weeks, but it'll run from January until June. 
uh, and then at that stage there'll be some playoffs like the Americans like. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Grand final. Right, you're going to stay with us, if that's all right, for our House of Rugby roundup. We're going to be back in uh, uh, just a moment or two. But first of all, let's hear from the man who you have thrown under the bus. <laughs> uh, the guy whose mum used to cut his hair in school. <laughs> oh, that, that play that um, Jacob scored off, you know, you, you do that during the week and you're never sure if it's going to work off in the game. And, uh, you know, thankfully it did. And once Jacob gets an opportunity, you know, he saw that, I think it was Ben Smith, come up into the line, the space in behind and that chipping. You know, once he get those once he gets those opportunities, he's he's absolutely ruthless. He's an unbelievable try scorer. So, yeah, like you say, um, I was probably jumping up and down. I don't know what happened. It was just incredible excitement. But then you kind of have to, you know, relax, get into your warm up routine, and you know, you'll be on the pitch, and you know, you never know when you're going to be hitched. So, uh, but yeah, it was an incredible moment. And there was a lot of like, just guys absolutely wasting themselves, and, and especially in that first half as well. Is there moments where you're kind of even on the bench going? You know, a big dev toners hit on Metallic yeah. or something like that. Like moments that stood out to you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, just all those tackles. I think the defence in general. Um, like I say, devs hit. Um, when I was on the pitch, Peter Manny coming back. You know, that was absolutely incredible. I couldn't believe it. I thought his hamstring really went when he was running back. But uh, you know, moments like that, you kind of look back now on the pitch, or look, look back now uh, when we get to review the game, and you kind of say, you know, there are big moments in the game, and. Uh, you know, we won those today, but having said that, you know, the All Blacks are a world-class side and, you know, if we want to get to that level, we still have to, you know, improve. Uh, we'll look very much on message, as you would expect, in this Ireland setup. Interesting to see what kind of a hairstyle he's rocking on Saturday, given the abuse that you've, uh, you've thrown his way. <laughs> Let's talk about the team selection, though. And uh, would you expect, I'll come to you first of all, uh, Andrew, would you expect a lot of changes from Joe Schmidt and, and the chance just to try and see, you know, see that, that strength in depth? Yeah, I would have thought so. I would have thought... Um, Tag Byrne will be back in, um, Jack Conan, um, maybe someone like John Cooney might get a go at mm. nine. Um, yeah, I think there'll be a lot of changes. Yeah. In terms of uh, what Ireland want to get out of the game against the US, is it just game time for those people who, who perhaps haven't had a lot of time in an, in an Irish jersey, or is there perhaps a little bit more that Joe Schmidt will want to get from it? Yeah, I think it's, it's a tough one this week because everyone will have been on such a high from from last weekend but I think the best way to counteract that is to get to get new blood into the team and play the people who will see it as such a huge opportunity so the likes of Ty Byrne and and Luke McGrath and these sorts of players um, I just think yeah yeah that'll be the best way. Um, it'd be quite interesting to see how Schmidt guards against complacency and Eddie Jones this week in the build-up to England Japan sort of went to town in the press and was saying that we're gonna smash them they need to get a temple and prayer I don't know if you saw any of this yeah he said they've been yeah. very cheeky as well the Japanese uh -huh. in the build-up to the game didn't really go according to plan no. certainly in the first 40 I just wonder how Schmidt will press the buttons and make sure the fire is as, as stoked as it should be I, particularly off the back of yeah, Saturday I, I don't He'll be coming out with a similar, no, a similar narrative. If he did, yeah, yeah, as if like the USA game is the big one he's yeah. been building towards. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, as as Cahill says, I think the way you deal with that is you bring guys in who, you know, potentially this is their All Blacks. You know, this is our chance. Yeah, this is our opportunity to to prove that we're we're capable of delivering, even though it's not. A massive stage is still a good opportunity to put on a green jersey and, and give a good account of themselves. And you expect to win and win well? Oh, I thought so, yeah. Okay. Um, should we get the dustpan and brush on? We'll just sweep up one or two of the talking points that perhaps we haven't covered so uh -huh. far. Um, CJ Stander at half-time uh, arguably clocked his fastest sprint of the entire yeah. afternoon as he <laughs> headed to the changing He rooms. took off like a what real What was that nonce. about? I don't know. I, I thought something had kicked off in the tunnel. So I, I got up to look quickly, expecting to see like a couple of guys <laughs> round or fighting or... 
There was nothing. He just going wanted on. that half-time orange, and he wanted it bad. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was starving. Yeah, I don't know what was going on. Uh, he took off, and then I kind of thought, oh, maybe this, this is a thing that they brought in. But then I looked, and O'Mahony was was limping, and Rory was like last in as well. So yeah. I was going. CJ's obviously just took a notion here. Is it a sort of? Is that a cycle? I'm trying to get a psychological edge by showing to the All Blacks. I'm going to get to the changing sheds first. Is that a? Could be. It could maybe. It could be one of these things he just said. That's that's a good way to kind of finish positively. And okay. I always hated halftime. I always felt like if I had <laughs> performed well in the first half, want to keep going. Yeah, and then if halftime comes, then you just kind of. It's hard to get. It's a bit flat. Ireland, I suppose, were a little bit flat in the start of the second half. Yeah. <laughs> Being very exhausted. Very sprinting critical. into the changing rooms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bizarre. Um, Johnny Sexton, we were talking about the red mist a moment or two ago. Um, the pro I think it was the physio who got it for taking him off. <laughs> he wanted to be there for the fist bump at the full-time whistle. Don't shoot the messenger. I know. Poor bloke. I mean, is that, that's, just a, that's just a natural-born competitor, is it, who, who wants to stay in the arena until the final moments? Yeah, I think he always... I'd have subbed for him a small but he never really wants to come off. Um, which I guess that was fair. I guess he wanted to be there for the for the final minutes and, yeah, and see it out because he had, he had played so well. He, he wasn't there. Shot, he, he wasn't there last time either. Yes, I suppose because yeah. um, uh, Joey came on last time and did mm. really well again. That was his debut, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's been the All Blacks twice. <laughs> Amazing at a Grand Slam. Um, I'm not sure if Joey came off the bench whenever we play the All Blacks at home then a couple of weeks later. So if he didn't, then he's only ever beaten the All Blacks. <laughs> that is outrageous. <laughs> he should retire. Yeah. That's outrageous. Um, our good friend Mike Tyndall, um, did you, I don't know if you'd have caught our show last week um, in the, in the English version. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, anyway, he doubled down on Ireland and, oh, and repeatedly uh, went again and said, I, I still can't see the rugby that they're playing at the moment translating into World Cup triumph. Um, He's gone to Dubai this week, possibly just to sort of <laughs> give himself a bit of time <laughs> out. But emergency <laughs> trip to Dubai. Emergency, exactly. <laughs> he travels all over the world. But it'd just, it'd just be interesting. I mean, would you, you'd go against that, I, I, inevitably. Are the rugby that Ireland playing now, or is the rugby that Ireland are playing now, exactly the kind of game plan that you need in a World Cup? Um, I think so, yeah. I think it just... There's no risk with the way Ireland play because yeah. they're so good at it and they're so, they execute so well and they're so accurate. And they just they take advantage of any weakness. Um, I, I really can't see any credible way of criticizing this Irish team. <laughs> um, we, I, you surprised me. We reacted. <laughs> yeah, we reacted to to Tyndall's comments a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and we really got carried away. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you listen to I it? Did, back? Yes, yeah. yeah we, we needed some English input. Yeah. I think you needed his input. I imagine. Yeah, we needed someone to defend him. We kind of wind each other up, you know. Yeah. yeah. How dare you talk about <laughs> yeah. our, our lads like that? So, and I don't know. Maybe I suppose the the only kind of credible point that he's making, I suppose, is that we're a long way out from the World Cup, and everybody's going to continue to get better, and everybody's going to continue to build. How does this team keep getting better? I just don't know because they're playing so well. I, I don't know. And that's a really, really small way of trying to find some... <laughs> Something <laughs> some, to pin on the notice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, one other thing I want to talk about from Saturday was the step. The significance of Rory Best oh. op opposite the hacker uh -huh. as well. I mean, you know Rory extremely well. I, I don't know whether that's a pre-planned thing, but it's sim it was symbolic to say we're not taking a backward step this afternoon. I think it was definitely a pre-planned thing, yeah. It, it looked like... It was kind of, there was memories of Willie Anderson yeah. back in the day, kind of stepping forward. And then obviously back back then, they didn't back it up quite so much. No. They got hockeyed then. It looks very cool when you win, doesn't it? Uh -huh, yeah. When you don't, you get skipped. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And if we're looking at hacker responses, where where would I, you'd probably still put Wales in the standoff 
and they didn't back it up. But the right, do you remember they sort of did a yeah. minute and a half where no one moved? Uh-huh. And I think France, France at the World Cup. Did he do a good one? Yes, yeah. he did one. And the World Cup final in 2011, where France did the Arrowhead, uh-huh. probably goes in ahead of it. But yeah, Shane Williams actually um, was speaking at an event there on Friday, and he recounted that story about whenever they they didn't move. Yeah, they didn't move, and he was going. It just got so awkward, and yeah. he was thinking, if this does kick off then every single one of them would batter me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be back down the tunnel yeah. after the game itself. Yeah. Um, no, well done, Roy. That was a hell of a statement, certainly. Um, did you see any other games? Scotland, South Africa? No. No? Okay. No, I didn't watch any um, rugby apart from Certainly good win for, uh, <laughs> for the box. And uh, Razzy Rasmus, so slowly, quietly, they're learning yeah. how, to, how to eke out games. Obviously, they didn't quite do it against <laughs> England. Smash and grab against the French, and then obviously coming through to beat the Scots. Um, Japan, I mean, you obviously heard the story about Japan, England. Well, Japan were leading 15 They were in it for a long time. time. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it, obviously, in Ireland's group in the World Cup, uh-huh. with Scotland, Russia, and I think the US as well, isn't it? Is yeah. that right? Um, Japan are not going to be a pushover, particularly at home. I just wonder the style of rugby. Did you see the game or not? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. The, certainly, the style of rugby that they play, yeah. very, very quick, this sort of rock and roll rugby. Yeah. You can see it causing a few problems, not necessarily for Ireland, but <coughs> yeah, they're, they're in with a shout, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I think they were playing sort of wide, wide, and. Really good skills. That back rower, Michael Leach, is it? Who's playing oh, like yeah. Jonah Lomu? Yeah. He stepped three <coughs> or four of the of the England backs, scored an incredible try. Um, they probably, d- yeah, they probably might struggle maybe a bit with strength and depth, but that that start in 15 looked incredible. They really had England England on the ropes. They're quite like Ireland in a way, and that they are so forensic in what they do. And there was a really interesting um, thing they did at half time, which I'd not seen before, which is they came out five minutes early, and instead of sort of coming out and getting oh, ready for kickoffs, they practiced lineouts, yeah. they ran back smooths. So it's not just standing in the changing room talking about what they're going to do. They actually came out and put it into practice. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if we might see a few other teams. Yeah, that. it's quite innovative, isn't yeah. it? Um, so they were ready to go at the whistle rather than mm-hmm. using the whistle to get going again. Well, the, the last World Cup, they obviously had a massive scalp and then yeah. they'll be targeting... The Ireland will have a target on their backs now, so I think Ireland are going to have to cope with that. Every side, their biggest game of their calendar is going to be playing Ireland now, yeah. so they're going to have to cope with that. And I think they, they tend to cope with it in the right way. Joe will know every name in that um, Japanese uh, roster. He'll yeah. know who they played for, wh- what um, hand they carry the ball in, but they step off. everything, he'll yeah. know them uh, intimately and then he'll demand that all the lads know them as well. So that's the way, that's the way to cope with that, kind of yeah. give them the respect that they deserve and then more often than not kind of take them, <laughs> take them apart. Yeah, they've certainly got something about them, Japan, and some very mm-hmm. intelligent coaches as well, and Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown. Um, and finally, France beat Argentina, which has sort of been the bogey side for them. But it, do you just get the sense that France are... I was going to say quietly, but they are just beginning to get their act together again, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, I think they're obviously so close to beating Ireland in the Six Nations, yeah. and I think it's probably an age-old question if they do ever get their act together properly, they'd be absolutely incredible. But like, if you look at their World, World Cup record, like, it would be a lot better than Ireland's over the years, and they do seem to sort of show up and peak for the World Cup, even if they're sort of in mad disarray with coaches and stuff. So yeah, if they can actually, if they if they have a bit of stability next year, I think they'll be very dangerous. Yeah, they're one of these teams. They've they've just got so much talent, so much quality, so much ability, so much depth. Yeah, and they just need someone to channel that correctly. I suppose maybe in a similar way to South Africa, there's so much quality in that country. There's so many um, unbelievably outstanding, talented rugby players, but they needed Razi Rasmus to come in there and kind of give them a bit of structure, a bit of direction. 
probably looking a little <laughs> a little bit ominous for Ireland in that all these sides are just starting to build and starting yeah. to peak. Um, but yeah, it looks it, it bodes well for a few big encounters in the next 12 months. It's going to be a heck of a World Cup as well. If you look at the, the list of genuine contenders, perhaps not even genuine contenders, but everybody can knock someone over on, on their day, can't they? Sort of six or seven sides now, mm-hmm. if not eight. I mean, I, I, do you think we're heading towards the most competitive World Cup that we've seen so far? Yeah, it definitely looks it. Um, even looking at some of the rugby championship, Australia have been New Zealand, yeah. Argentina have been have been winning some games, um, and then yeah, the Six Nations. There isn't much between them. Each year, everyone's beating everyone. So yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, gonna be a hell of a tournament. Ireland <laughs> are the favourites for it, but it's it's gonna be a hell of a tournament. Like, it, whoever wins it, will have will have to do something very very special in a way that perhaps you know, three or four tournaments ago. You're probably only realistically looking at two or three genuine yeah. contenders. The depth now is, is significantly stronger. It was two or three genuine contenders, but it was always, even the the, the World Cup that um, All Blacks didn't win. Yeah, it was always it was the All Blacks tournament to yes, lose, really, right. wasn't it? So yeah. they were always gonna win the tournament had they not just put a foot wrong or made mistakes. Yeah. <clears throat> but now that's not the case. The narrative's totally changed. They're still the best team in the world. But I think on current form, I think if there was a World Cup tomorrow, I think Ireland would be the favourites. Sounds odd, that, isn't it? Mental, isn't <laughs> it? Amazing to say this. that. <laughs> well, it, we're, getting, trying to, we're trying to get used to saying that, but yeah. it's yeah, it's pretty foreign concept. Irish rugby for so long has fired on being the underdog. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating to see how they handle the tag of favourites. And Steve Hansen obviously piling a lot on in terms of pressure in that regard. Um, let's move on because we've got the results of this week's Guinness Made of More Player of the Weekend. We put out a poll on Twitter on Sunday and the four nominees, all Irish... As a surprise. <laughs> uh, Peter Omani, James Ryan, Tug Furlong and Josh van der Fleer. And the winner, resoundingly, 82... Oh, did he get a trophy for this? 82% was... Um, Peter Omani? Yeah. <laughs> there, there we go. Got it written here. I know. Well, you know sort of tag-teaming. Yeah. But, um, not, not surprising, really. I mean, it was a game for the ages from him, wasn't it? He was just so good. James Ryan, uh, to be fair, listen, we're going to do it again. We're just, just going <laughs> to list every player that played in green, but... Yeah, there's a lot of guys <coughs> who were playing out of their skin. Just Pete was just incredible. That that moment he just plucked that ball, that was such a big moment. Yeah. Big turnovers, um, just poignant moments in the game, big turning points, and he was in the middle of them. Happy days. Mm-hmm. Happy, happy days. Um, we've got a few Twitter questions to get to as well. And thank you very much indeed to everyone who's popped one through using the hashtag AskHOR. Uh, Brendan Shields, I'll come to you, Carl. In 11 months before the World Cup, how much international rugby will Joey Carberry and Ty Byrne need to play. If you want to target Ireland, surely you just target Sexton as 10 uh, because the depth there is a key weakness. Interesting. Um, yeah, it is, I guess, a tough tough balance. Um, I've been very impressed with, with Joey's performances for Monster earlier in the season, to the big Champions Cup games, tough ones they down in Sandy Park, and um, like games like that, I obviously haven't play, played that level, but like they don't seem too dissimilar to, to international level. It's definitely a big uh, building block to sort of play and perform in those sort of games. So I think he has played at a high level, but I guess he'll, he'll play this weekend. Both of them will, and yeah. then but after that, you know, the the Six Nations they don't seem to do too much rotation, um, and then you're looking at I guess the the pre World Cup uh, warm up games. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're only going to have a couple of chances, I guess, um, to lock themselves in. Do you think Schmidt will rotate during the Six Nations? I think they might, yeah. I Do wonder, you? I think in the past it's always been, the World Cup's always been so far away that 
the best way to prepare for that is just winning Six Nations, and it's such a it's such a big opportunity to. I mean, Grand Slams are are an opportunity now, year in year out. Yeah. If we continue to go like this, it's going to be well. Ireland have a good chance of winning Grand Slams, and I suppose. Do you target that, or Joe seemed to suggest? Um, Tommy Bow interviewed him for the 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 program for the Italy Italy game in Chicago, yes. and Joe kind of said, you know, we'll see what happens in in the Six Nations, and it was unusual to hear him talk like that, almost as if he's thinking, let's use the Six Nations to get ready for yeah um, for the World Cup, which is a strange concept, um, especially from him because he's always next game. Yeah. And I'm sure he will behind the scenes. He'd be saying next game, next game, next moment. But um, I think, yeah, I think you might not even have to force rotation. There will be a couple of knocks. There will be a couple of guys will pick up uh, injuries and stuff. Yeah. And that rotation will probably happen reasonably naturally. You don't need to breed kind of 15 new players. You just need to get three or four guys to kind of step up and just take another step towards the Sextons, the Murrays of this world. We were talking about the fact that Ireland beat the All Blacks without Mario O'Brien, Henshaw and Levy. Mm -hmm. Is Sexton the one irreplaceable or Furlong as well? Um, or, or could Ireland do what they did on Saturday without both or either the scrum was so dominant I know arguably, and actually that's a hell of an all black scrum as yeah well. arguably the tag is it's most important you could, yeah I think you could definitely put a decent case together because Joey um, again he hasn't had that much exposure but what he has done he's done so well yeah. and I think he just he always seems I'm when he comes off the bench, he seems so mature for yeah. for a reasonably young fella, and he just seems like he's it's no problem to him. Almost naively, it's almost like he doesn't realise how big <laughs> how big a moment it is. Yeah. He just he's playing the All Blacks. Should I beat them last time? Why don't I just beat them again? <laughs> Do you think there's a, he he doesn't buy into the mystique because he had time down there as a yeah? As maybe. A I wonder whether he Actually, sort of knows it is is not that. That's suspect. an interesting point. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe he's just so comfortable. He's so he's been obviously that that New Zealand kind of influence in him, and I don't know. Yeah, there could be an element of that. Possibly. That's a good point. Question two, Harvey. Uh, do you think we can replicate these heroics in the World Cup? Both times we've beaten New Zealand, we've been on the ropes for a bit. Against Wales, we were on the ropes until the intercept. It's clear we get tired. Is our style of play uh, sustainable at a World Cup? It's not from Harvey. That's from Mike Tyndall. That's exactly <laughs> what I was just exactly. about to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's clear we get tired. I Everybody mean, gets tired. Everybody gets tired. Yeah. I did think actually it was interesting watching that game. You could see when Ireland began to tire. Uh -huh. um, there was a break in play yeah. and a lot of guys hands on heads. <laughs> yeah, or, like, cramp. and it just just it, just the accuracy just dropped off a little bit. And I, I, from a player's perspective, I, I, what is that like in the moments where you the legs get heavier, the brain gets a bit slower, the hands aren't quite as quick? I mean, is that something yeah. you actually? feel during the match well someone like, like like pete i know we've mentioned him a few times but i think pete looks tired very quickly yeah. but he still keeps turning up yeah. he looks tired even when he's over jackling the ball yeah and the output you're going that's not a guy who's tired because he's still executing he's still um hitting boys hard in defense getting up off off the ground i don't know i suppose maybe that body language that that's something that joe would be hot on as well not um not communicating the opposition any kind of weakness um so yeah i mean if, if joe is going to give him any kind of hard time which would be really tough yeah. pull, your, pull your socks up and do <laughs> yeah. your hair that's fine <laughs> lads yeah um, actually hansen said after the game he said ireland have got a lot fitter he actually paid credit to the to the fitness yeah. staff so it who, looked who like does the fitness um it's uh jason kyman uh, okay yeah uh, it looked like as the defensive sets went on just ireland kind of grew and grew and grew yeah. um whereas when you're obviously when you're playing the all blacks that never happens it just it, there's a feeling of inevitability. Mm. It's only really a matter of time here before the All Blacks score, and it just 
I didn't get that yeah. feeling ever. Even though they looked tired, just felt like they just kept turning up. Yeah. Um, Wayne Barnes I had quite a bit of opinion on on social media. I'll throw this to you. You can have this. <laughs> Always nice to talk about a referee. Thoughts on Wayne Barnes' repeated feedback in inverted commas, like yelling at the Irish. Uh, attacking line with the ball incoming or telling Luke McGrath to stay back from the middle of the all-black scrum despite rule 28.a which <laughs> foolishly I've not researched I think it's a law anyway <laughs> um uh, the general question is did, did you did you enjoy the way Barnes refereed or do you think he he didn't quite um, get the balance right what is what is law 28 yeah I thought in the first half I thought New Zealand were probably a bit fortunate not to to get a yellow when it was just sort of repeated in the 22 uh, repeated infringements but then in the second half then I thought Rob was pretty fortunate um, you remember back a couple of years ago if, I, if the yeah. if you take out a person in the yeah. air and they fall on their their head it's a straight red and you could see him coming coming down and hitting his face so Barnsley probably looked after us there and yeah. then Johnny hit, had a high enough tackle as well which we've seen that issue in the last couple of weeks that that can easily be a yellow or a red as well so um, I guess it was probably ba balanced. Um, he probably let, let people off on, on both sides, I guess. I thought, yeah, one yellow each. You thought, thought one yellow each? I thought Carney's thing was probably yellow. Yeah, I thought it was, I always thought it was a yellow, yellow at most. Yeah, it's very tough. Um, it's very un unusual to see him do that. His approach is usually so dynamic and he just takes off perfectly. And then he must have been blocked by, by a player yeah. kind of jinking in and out of players because he just seemed to miss time, which is really strange for him. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was probably a yellow because he was on the ground. And then, yeah, again, yellow for a repeated infringement at the end of the first half. So a yellow each each way. I suppose you could say arguably two really bad decisions, but balanced up a little bit. Yeah. The only other one was a forward pass from Gary Ringrose. I thought it was... No yeah, way that looks strange. But you can pick yeah. through any referee's performance exactly, and put yeah, it out. I, from a personal you brought it up. We weren't going <laughs> to. No, I didn't. Ha uh, no, <laughs> no, yeah. I, I haven't got the. Daryl brought it up. The, I, I just thought from a spectator's point of view and a fan's point of view, he, he showed huge empathy for an enormous occasion. And there are, there are games where the referee wants to make a statement and get involved. And I thought yeah. he tried very hard to manage mm. a seismic encounter, giving the players the benefit of the doubt where it was possible. And I, I thought that contributed to a really positive game. Yeah, I thought so. I, I mean, it, it was a brilliant game and he played his part. It, yeah. it certainly flowed anyway. I think there was, someone said, um, there was a, uh, Ireland got a penalty and they, they were given off that should have been yellow card. It might have been the CJ standard, the the kind of the high, high shot yeah. on him. And then uh, Barnes actually said, <coughs> um, go quick, go quick. <laughs> coaching. Yeah, as yeah. in, go, like, to just distract him. Yeah. Um, just get out of my hair and go and kick that so that we don't have to have this conversation. Quite right. Yeah. Quite right. Way too much chat back. Um, so final thoughts. Saturday will go down in history as, I was going to say the day Irish rugby came of age. I mean, you've had some great days, but the day, how, how big a step forward was Saturday for Irish rugby? I thought um, Saturday was significant just in the mindset change of, of, of Ireland. When they go on the pitch now, they will never go on the pitch and expect to get beat don't think they would have done that anyway but I think they're going to confidently walk into the pitch from now on and expect to beat everyone they play yeah. in the past you go to France you go to Twickenham tough obviously you go to New Zealand tough you play New Zealand anytime it's going to be difficult and you sort of think let's let's see what happens here I think they will always for the next 12 months this is a side that can cope with anything and uh, they're they're I think they're they're not officially but I think they're the best team in the world at the minute 
and that's a massive turning point for Irish rugby. Just that we always used to cope with underdogs. That was it. we had to be underdogs if we were going to perform. Yeah, and now we're overdogs, <laughs> <laughs> big dogs, yeah. just like you. Yeah, would you go along with all of that? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think the squad profile is amazing at the m- moment as well. You've mm. got guys like James Ryan. Uh, Josh Levy, Jordan Larmer, Andrew Porter, these young guys who've just never, they've just come in so confident. They've always performed on the big days. And then you've got the more experienced guys like Johnny, um, Rob Carney, who are p- playing better than ever. And they're probably seeing this as their last probably probably big chance to win a World Cup. So I think they're just in a really, go- really good place at the moment. Yeah, exciting times for sure. You're off on Thursday. Do you know what you've done? You're packing? Um, I have a few bits to do now. I have right. a couple of days to get it done. So, um, Good luck. Thanks Keep so us much. posted on how it goes. We'll, we'll watch with great interest. Yeah. But I hope it's a real success. Thanks, Emma. Thank you very Good much, Carl, for coming in. Thanks very much indeed, chaps, for your company, for your thoughts. This has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, brought to you by Joe, together with our friends at Guinness. Thanks for your company, and we'll see you soon. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.